This talk by Joan Sutherland called Embracing Change One was given at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York on August 3rd, 2012. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for coming. Um, and great thanks to our hosts here at Omega and to our Shambhala hosts as well. Um, thank you for hosting us, and um, I feel very happy to be included. One of the things that I love about these programs are that we do have teachers representing different traditions. And uh, what I hope will become apparent over the course of the weekend is that although we look at the same perceptions, we have the same kinds of experiences, we have the same kinds of insights about the deepest and most fundamental things, each tradition expresses those things in its own poetry. And so you get to hear three different kinds of poetry over the weekend. Um, and I know I really enjoy that, and I hope you do as well. When we were thinking about what to do tonight, um, we thought that it would be important to bring in a question or two questions for all of you. Um, and so I'm going to introduce them a little bit, and then when the three of us have spoken, Tanette will bring us back around to those questions, and anyone who would like to speak to them would be great to hear what you have to say. It'll help us um, begin to create the field in which this weekend will happen, and, and it's um, good to think about having your voices included in that as well as our own. So the first question has to do with intention. What brought you here? Why did you decide to come this weekend? Um, what are you looking for? So that's the first question. And then the second companion question is, what happens once you're here? What do you notice about what's going on? What lights up for you? in the talks we give, in the conversations that all of us will have together, in the times when you're walking around and doing things on your own. What do you notice comes to get you out of this weekend? Um, particularly if it's unexpected, if it surprises you. It might be something that feels like a new understanding, a new insight, a kind of epiphany about something. It might be something that really disturbs you. That's great, too. That's really important. Um, the poet Amachai has a, a line in one of his poems that it is doubts and loves that dig up the world like a, like a mole or a plow. So doubts and loves, good. Digging up the world, um, stirring things up, good. And it also might be something that you don't understand yet, but you're interested in. Um, Freud has a kind of throwaway footnote in his great work on dreams where he says in every dream there's a part that's fuzzy that you can't quite see there's something obscure about it and it's in that very fuzzy place that very clouded obscure place that the dream portal is the place where you can step through the dream into something even larger um, behind that so what is fuzzy what is clouded what is uncertain is important as well so those are the two questions. Um, what are you looking for? What brought you here? And what do you notice happens once you're here? What comes to get you? What lights up for you? And then the third thing I'd like to throw into that is to look at those things together, to keep checking in 
with those two different questions. And notice if anything is changing as the weekend goes on. Do they inform each other? Do they stain and dye each other? And do they begin to change? Does what happens, and your careful noticing of what happens, um, change your assumptions about why you came? And are there times when why you came gets clarified by things that happen? Do you discover that something is walking towards you, something is coming to meet you, and if you walk out to meet it, you find yourself walking in a different direction than you expected when you arrived? What's that like? So in the tradition, there's a term of art, a technical term for that first question. What brought you here? What are you looking for? Um, And that uh, term of art is karma. So that's the momentum, the tendencies, the um, direction things are moving. It's the causes and conditions that led to your deciding, I'm going to go do that weekend, this weekend. That's what karma is, those momentums, um, those ways that things are moving. And then the second question, which has to do with paying attention to what's actually happening, really staying with um, what you notice about things, especially when you're surprised by them and being interested in them. The technical term for that is awakening. As we do that, we're waking up. So the third thing, looking at those two things together, that's a practice. Trying to understand what the karmic momentums are that bring us into a particular moment. What are the, what's the network, the net of causes and conditions that leads to something? And also looking at, and what happens if I just feel a sense of warmth and curiosity about things? And I just listen and pay attention without too much self-agenda going on. Those two things together are, um, are a pretty good practice. So tonight in the few minutes that, that I have, what I wanted to do was say, we'll come back to that and look at those questions from a very nitty-gritty kind of perspective. What's that like on Tuesday morning at the breakfast table? But for a few minutes tonight, I would like to put them in a larger context, kind of pull the camera back, as it were, and talk about the context in which we look at a question like change or any other question in our lives. Because from, I think, probably all of our perspectives, the way you approach change is pretty much the way you're going to approach anything. It's a, it's a way of approaching being alive. So when we pull the camera back a little bit, we notice that there are these great forces at work. Um, there's a tremendous change going on all the time, and I think Melvin alluded to this. 
um, I, I kind of laughed when we first talked about this subject of embracing change because I thought, well, what's the alternative, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, do you embrace gravity or not, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> I mean, you might not, you know, you might decide that you're not going to believe in gravity, but if you tip over, you're probably going to fall to the ground anyway, whether you believe it or not. And change is kind of like that. So we have, so we have this, this thing that is so, these things that are so... And one of the ways that we um, we experience that is with um, these great forces that that we stand at the intersection of, and what is so alive is knowing that we're standing at the intersection and um, and working with those as we work with change. So here's what I mean by that, much less abstract. Um, I was I was thrilled to find this bit that the science writer of, of the New York Times, Dennis Overby, wrote about the, the finding of the Higgs boson at the at the um, Large Hadron Collider in, in Switzerland. And he he wrote this beautiful paragraph about what it means that the Higgs boson particle was found. He said, The finding of the Higgs boson affirms a grand view of a universe described by simple and elegant and symmetrical laws. Okay, so that's one axis of the intersection we're talking about, that grand view of the universe that is simple and elegant and symmetrical and kind of eternal and unchanging and perfect just the way it is. And then um, Dennis Overby goes on, but one in which everything interesting like ourselves, results from flaws or breaks in that symmetry. Without the Higgs field or something like it, all elementary forms of matter would zoom around at the speed of light flowing through our hands like moonlight. There would be neither atoms nor life. So you have this beautiful juxtaposition of Um, everything flowing through the universe like moonlight, streaming like moonlight. And then the juxtaposition of that with all of the flaws or the breaks in the symmetry, which is where life happens, which is where stuff arises, which is where we have um, matter and humans and all the other um, elements of creation. And I think there's something so beautiful about that sense of, of light flowing through the universe, you know, from, from one end to the other. And simultaneously, there's something so compelling about the skin of a peach or um, the way a dog greets you at the end of whatever kind of day you've had, you know. Um, or even finding oneself suddenly immersed in a deep grief for someone we love. That's also very compelling. And um, one of the fundamental ideas about the Dharma, from the Dharma, about the teachings are that those two aspects are simultaneous. That that dog who greets you at the door at the end of the day is simultaneously made of light from before the beginning of the world. And also the very particular sheddy and um, barky creature that, that it is. And those two things are simultaneous and inseparable. In my koan tradition, um, 
it talks about with great with great pleasure about someone arriving like a dog bringing amnesty in its mouth and i loved that image a dog bringing amnesty in its mouth because that's that feeling of being met at the door by someone who's just glad to see you no matter what your day was like you know and what what i'm talking about in bringing in both aspects of reality simultaneously is to say there's what it felt like when you were driving home from work and things were maybe tough or you were tired or something had happened that was really difficult and there's what it feels like when the dog greets you with the amnesty in its mouth when things suddenly the very same things the very same circumstances get very spacious and kind of happy and stuff falls away and there's a sense of oh all of this is happening in a very large field and there is a quality of being able to rest in that field even when things were difficult so that's what i'm talking about at that intersection when we're really aware of both things together we can feel the particularities of the moment and also feel the largeness and the spaciousness of the moment at the same time um the koan tradition uses two uh other technical terms to describe these which is mysterious and wondrous and you you got to love a tradition whose technical terms are mysterious <laughs> and wondrous so mysterious is that quality of everything that is eternal and full of light and unchanging um that it should be so that everything should be vast and empty of self nature um is mysterious and that everything is also particular and manifest and very real that's wondrous that those two things should happen simultaneously is both mysterious and wondrous um so you might have heard of the terms form and emptiness which are you know way a different way of saying the same thing and there are also more sort of um you know hamish close to home ways of saying that um one of my favorites is that it will the the tradition talks about the bent and the straight so there are all these kinds of contrasts and there's no sense of one is better than the other or that one is more real than the other or that there are separate worlds but that there are they are true about everything simultaneously so there's a koan that goes the buddha's teaching was straight why did the ancestors sing such a crooked tune the buddha's teaching was straight why did the ancestors sing such a crooked tune and in the koan tradition if you think you have to figure out like what happened when we went from straight to crooked that must have been some kind of devolution some kind of loss you've taken the bait and the koans always want you not to take the bait want you to look at straight and crooked as both absolutely essential completely necessary and working together to make a whole and to become interested in the qualities of the straight and the qualities of the crooked and how they um they speak with each other and um and enlarge each other so 
if everything is simultaneously form and emptiness, um, mysterious and wondrous, bent and crooked, all of the, the ways we've been talking about it, that means that everything is already shimmering. So fast, mostly we can't see it, but sometimes we can feel it. There is this shimmer of the eternal and the particular, of the bent and the straight, the wondrous and the mysterious. Stuff is already in motion. We're already standing, always, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, at the intersection of those things. Um, So when we take up a question like change, when you take up something in your life that has to do with change that you're wondering about, the circumstances of the change that you're thinking about are shimmering. The way you address it, the way you work with it is shimmering. You are shimmering. Everything is already. That's the nature of things. So any work we do takes place in this spacious, vast, shimmering, particular place. And already that's true. So, so much of our work is about finding a way to come more into alignment with that truth. Every time we take up a problem, a change, something as local and immediate as having a headache or a difficult conversation with someone, we are in the macrocosm replicating that shimmer. of. uh, We are in the microcosm replicating that shimmer of the macrocosm. And everything has that quality. So everything is real and unreal at the same time. As the Lankavatara Sutra puts it, things are not as they appear, nor are they otherwise. Things are dreamlike and, as people say today, as serious as a heart attack. All of that is true at the same time. So how do we acknowledge that? How do we bring that in? When we, um, when we bring in the mysterious, when we bring in the unknowable, when we bring in what we, we don't yet understand or see, we bring in also that spaciousness and that large perspective. So... Um, I'll be talking again tomorrow afternoon and we'll take up these questions again. What does this look like at Tuesday morning at the breakfast table? But um, to the extent that we can, to sink in to that large and spacious and shimmering place and to see if we can allow it to stain and dye us as we move forward together allow our awareness of it to be present in everything we do, everything we listen to, everything we encounter, 
and see what happens then with that and see what happens to our questions about why we're here, what our intention is, and what happens here, what comes to get us, especially what surprises us. And we'll take all that up again tomorrow in this shimmering room. Thank you. These talks are made available through your donations to Cloud Dragon, the Joan Sutherland Dharma Works. To learn more about her teachings and to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our donate page at joansutherlanddharmaworks.org.